Now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of large cats, tigers and lions and, yeah, oh my. Um, I'm a, it's, not a, it's not a cat, though. Um, I'm a big fan of large cats. I'm not such a big fan of smaller cats, though. Um, most of you knew I, I grew up in New York, uh, first part of my life, and uh, for a large part of my life. And when I gave my life to Christ, um, I had moved to Virginia. I realized I wanted to go to college, so I moved back uh, to New York, and I was living in my first apartment on my own. And it wasn't really an apartment. It was a converted garage. And so I was there. I was by myself. It was really great. And then uh, one of my friends asked if he could live with me as well. They didn't have anywhere to go. You know, we were all graduating and people were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. And this is a long time ago. So a lot of the guys that I grew up with didn't go to college. They weren't sure what they wanted to do. And they were trying to find jobs. and They were trying to find a place to live. And so I said, sure, we've known each other for years. And he started going to church with me. So I let him live with me in this garage. And the garage was very incredible. It was an incredible place. And you had the, I have a lot of stories about the garage. I'll tell you a real quick one. Um, this, this apartment, there was a bathroom attached to the apartment. And it was, it was where the, the wind could blow underneath it. It was so cold in the morning when you got up to go into the bathroom. This is, I'm not exaggerating. Ask my wife, because she actually ended up living there with me for a little while when we got married. Um, it got so cold in the bathroom that ice would form inside the toilet bowl. Okay? That's the truth. And I went to the, these people that I, I rented it from were awesome people. And I went to them and said, well, what am I going to do? It's saying ice in the toilet bowl. And they just gave me some antifreeze. I poured it in there. It was like, it's all good. It's all good. So my friend moved in, but something else moved in with my friend. His cat. Yeah, who? Yeah. The cat's name was Cece. I called it feces. And, the, and this cat was like, uh, it, it was it was so the cat was so fat that his belly would just drag along the ground when he walked. And we had an oven from probably ni- no exaggeration, about 1947. It was a small oven and we would cook things every once in a while. And when it was, you know, it was, when it was warm, we'd open it up because we want to get the heat out of there, especially in the wintertime. And and Cece would go into the oven and lay there while it was cooling down. Okay, a cat in your, and you know, you have no idea how many times I wanted to walk by and just go click, click, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> bye bye, feces. Uh, <laughs> and so I was, now another thing about being in college for me, um, my mom had, was living in upstate New York, my dad was in Virginia, I was, you know, going to Nyack and and uh, during that time, I didn't have a lot of money. I worked as much as I could at Exxon, but I still didn't have a lot of money. And so food was very precious to me. OK, any kind of food. And we got lots of rice. I don't know about your college experience, but my college experience uh, living in my own, I would put anything over rice that I could find. OK, because rice at least stretched it. But food was really important. And so one day I had rice and over it, I had one of my favorite foods, Denty Moore beef stew. Right now. Yeah. Amen. Right. Dante more. I can't eat that anymore. <laughs> I ate some. I won't get into it. And so I, uh, I can't eat that anymore. But I had Dante more beef stew, like a pound of that on top of a big wide plate of rice. And, and the cat starts running around. I've never seen a cat run before because it was too big to run. And it was running around, running around, running around. And all of a sudden now I'm sitting on the couch watching ESPN, my shirt off, just kind of relaxing and my feet up, my plates on my lap. And I'm eating my about 
to eat my denti more beef stew. And the cat decides, hey, wouldn't it be great to just leap on this person who doesn't like me in the first place with his claws? And I have no shirt on. And the cat lands on me and scratches me all the way down my chest. I'm bleeding on my, in my chest. Worse than that, he knocked my denti more beef stew to the ground. It flipped over and landed on the ground. As hungry as I was, I wasn't going to eat denti more beef stew with cat hair in it, okay? And I was out a meal. I'm bleeding. I do not like smaller creatures. Now, I like, again, I like the big cats. So we are in a series, right, in Daniel. And we are finally at the place where Daniel is dealing with the lions, right? This whole series is called Uncompromising. And so we've come to the point where Daniel is going into the lion's den. This story has inspired people for generations, and it has everything you need pretty much in a story. And I remember, I remember when I was, wasn't even a Christian, and I, I, heard the, I heard the story, but I remember seeing the picture of Daniel. You know that famous picture where the kind of sun's streaming through and there's lions all around him? I had that picture ingrained in my brain. So even though I wasn't a believer, I remember the story of Daniel at that time. I remember it all my life because of that picture. And the story, again, has all that you need for a story. It's like good guys against the bad guys, right? Good triumphs, I mean, good triumphs over evil. But the real story, the real story is about a man who lived an uncompromising right. The, the real story, long before the lions show up, the real story of Daniel in the lion's den, it, it, it's the, the, the revelation that we should get from this is that we're talking about a man who has lived an uncompromising life. The real story, the true story of Daniel chapter 6 happens way before the lions even come into the picture. The, the true challenge for Daniel was that he overcame the odds his entire life, that he walked with God his entire life, that he, under so much pressure, would not give in, that he decided long before, again, the lions were even a part of the picture, Daniel had decided years before that he was going to walk with God no matter what. Daniel, as a teenager, made a choice that regardless of what the world through at him that he was going to walk with God. You see, the real, the real, the true lion's den started a long time ago right in here for Daniel. Right in here. And when he won, the, the real battle was a battle of the heart of a, of a young man saying, I'm going to live for God regardless of whatever happens in this life. I'm going to live for God. And when he won that battle, when he won that battle in the heart, when he stood for God and made that decision, the lions were not a problem. The lions became secondary, honestly, secondary in this story. Daniel had to overcome some amazing things. You know, we think about this. We, we've been talking about this in chapter 1. Daniel's taken into captivity, okay, away from, away from his home in Jerusalem. He's taken into captivity. Nebuchadnezzar takes him, puts him in, you know, in school, kind of it tries to brainwash him. And then in chapter 1 also, Daniel has to deal with this whole food issue, you know, Daniel refused to eat the food that Nebuchadnezzar was giving to him because it would compromise him with God. 
He would, he would be breaking the law of God, and Daniel wouldn't do that. So in chapter 1, he has to face some things. In chapter 2, you have the dream. He has to basically come up and tell the, tell the king what his dream was, and then he has to interpret his dream. And, and, and then you have, you have in, chapter, in chapter, chapter 1, chapter 2, you have, you have the dreams again in chapter 4. The second dream comes in chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, you have the writing on the wall. All these things are happening to Daniel, and Daniel is holding up on under all of it. See, by deciding to never compromise in his faith, by deciding to hold his ground in his faith, he won the only battle that mattered. And each one of us needs to see that in our own lives. Do, do, we, do we have a stand? Do we take a stand in such a way that regardless of what comes in high school or in college or at work or at home or wherever, that we will not compromise? You, we need to decide. Daniel decided as a young man that regardless of his circumstances, he would not compromise. We need to have that same conviction in our lives. See, we think the miracle of, of Daniel in, this, in chapter 6 is that Daniel survived an entire night in a lion's den. We think that's the miracle. And as amazing as that was, the, the, tr- the real miracle here, the, the greater miracle, was that he never gave in to pressure, even when his life depended on it, even when his life was in jeopardy, as very often it was. Daniel would not give in. Daniel, Daniel lived in a world that was high hostile toward his faith, but he never changed. We live in a world now, not, not like Daniel, okay, but we live in a world now that is hostile toward our faith. But I see so much change sometimes in the church, compromising within the church, not, not Grace Chapel specifically, in the church in general. But Daniel never changed. Depending, didn't matter what the circumstances were. Didn't matter what society said. Didn't matter the direction culture was going. Daniel held his ground. The temptation to compromise on our faith is everywhere. It's constantly putting pressure on us at all times. We're confronted at work. We're confronted at school. We're confronted in our homes. We're confronted even, like I said, in the church. It's even difficult now to go to church sometimes and not be put in a position where you feel like you're compromising your faith. The world is getting more more challenging. Daniel and his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, teach us some important lessons. They show us how to live for God behind enemy lines. These guys lived behind enemy lives, lines their entire lives. And they help us to realize that if we're going to stand for Jesus Christ, if we are going to choose to make a stand for God, over time it will cost us. There is going to come a time where it's going to cost you. You're going to be put under pressure, the pressure to conform, the pressure to give in. That temptation is going to come and you're going to give in to sometimes many people give in to that pressure because the pressure is going to come. And if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are teaching us is that we are going to have to pay a price. Daniel had to face lions. That was one of the price prices that he had to pay. And if you think about it, if you think about it, we all need to face lions in our spiritual journey. Right. Each one of us needs to face those lions in our, in our spiritual journey. When we chose Jesus Christ 
to be our Lord and Savior. When we chose to move, and we, I'm going back over here, okay, because a couple series ago we talked about being in bondage, and we've, we've, we've kind of built on that through the last half a year. When we chose to leave the world a bondage, whether it's bondage to, to some addiction or whatever it is for you, when you chose to break free of that chain and you chose to leave bondage, you chose to face the most powerful lion of all. You know, a couple, like, like I said, a couple of months ago, we talked about being in bondage and, and how we can move to the promised land. Joseph started in bondage and how the people of Israel needed to move to the promised land. And I've been saying all along that there's giants on that path and there's obstacles on that path and there's temptations on that path, all those things. But you know what? There's something else on that path. The moment you broke those chains and refused to stay where you were spiritually, the moment you broke those chains, the chains made noise. And that noise attracted the most powerful lion of all, the devil, the enemy. And all along that path, you're going to have to face, you're going to have to face that powerful lion. The story of Daniel in the lion's den reminds us that we are in a constant raging battle with the enemy. It's all around us. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, it says that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is there constantly seeking whom he may devour. When we make spiritual noise, we attract spiritual attention. And whether people realize it or not, whether, they re- whether people in this world realize it or not, this world is filled with those who are following Satan and will do his will. Whether they realize it or not, which means not only do you have to, fo- you have to face the lion, you have to face those who follow. Jesus said, in Luke chapter 11, verse 23, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. You're either for me or you're against me. I'm either your master or someone else is. Something else is. And then in John chapter 8, verse 44, it puts it plainly. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry, your, carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Here's the point. If you follow Jesus Christ, you will face opposition. If you choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you are going to face opposition. No, you can, there's no way of getting around this. And you're going to face opposition from all directions. And people don't even realize it. People, not, not that people, Christians don't realize it. Other people in the world don't even realize sometimes that if you're not walking, if you have not given your life to Christ, then you're choosing to be opposed to him which means they're opposed to you. Even if they don't recognize it sometimes, they're opposed to you. Why do you think there's persecution? Why do you think there's so much pressure for you to conform? Why do you think it's so difficult to live in this world now as a believer in Jesus Christ? The pressure, the pressure is coming from the enemy. The pressure is coming from all around. There is pressure from all around. And if, and if, they, can find, if they can find or be critical of your character... If they find nothing in your character, if they can't find fault with you in your character, they're going to find fault with your faith. And that's what they were doing with Daniel. 
as the story progresses, they couldn't find fault with his character, so they try to find fault with his faith. Daniel is now an old man. He's now an older man, no longer a teenager. He's lived as he's an old man. And Daniel has served king after king, and now he serves a new king named Darius. Now, Darius is the king of a new empire, the Medo Persian Empire, a new powerful empire. And we have to really feel for Daniel here, because Daniel, Daniel was serving king after king, and the king's names may have changed, but the pressure for him to conform never did. The, the pressure for him to comply and do what never did. So year after year after year, he's held up under all this pressure. And as chapter 6 opens, Daniel is again being given a more powerful position. He's being given a higher position in the government. Darius saw that Daniel had a lot going for him. Okay, Daniel's been around for a long time. Stories about Daniel. Daniel's character stands out. So Darius thinks this is the kind of person okay, that needs him. So he's given a, a higher position in the government. But with position comes enemies. With success comes jealousy. And in Daniel chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, it says this. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. But they were unable to do so. Let that sink in. They could find no corruption in him. Let that sink in. Because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man unless it has something to do with the law of his God. This is the character of the man we're talking about. They, they want to nail him on something. They want to catch him doing something. And they couldn't come up with anything. They couldn't come up with anything. Even Daniel's enemies recognized this guy had really no personal weaknesses or no moral weaknesses. Not perfect. He wasn't Jesus, okay? He wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. But when they're trying to catch him doing something, they could find nothing on him. Daniel was faultless in his character. Daniel was faithful to his calling and Daniel was fervent in his prayer life. That's the man that we're talking about here. Not really much to go on if you want to accuse someone of something. They're, all of these men, are, they're trying to they come up with every way possible. They're watching him. They're, they're studying him. They're, they're, they're doing background checks. on. They couldn't find anything on Daniel. They didn't hate Daniel because of what he did. They hated Daniel because of who he was. What did Jesus say? Right? They're going to hate you, but they hated me first. Because they hated me first. I mean, you just, you just think about that. You've got to keep this in mind as, you, as, as a believer sometimes. When you, stand, when you stand your ground for your faith, you need to keep in mind that Jesus Christ was perfect and they crucified him. Daniel was a righteous man. And they were trying to get him. Jesus was perfect and they crucified him. Just because you honor God with your life doesn't mean that people are going to honor you and treat you justly. Just because you choose, that's important for us to understand. Just because you choose to honor God with your life doesn't mean that you will be treated 
honorably and fairly by those around you. Remember, whether they recognize it or not, they're following a different Lord. They're following a different master. So you need to understand that's the way life is. And, and I remember working for the, for the government. My, my uncle, uh, Bill, was a, he is a retired brigadier general. And when I was at college, he would get me really good jobs in the summertime. And one of the jobs he got, he got us was um, uh, we were looking at artifacts. We were kind of writing down all the different artifacts um, in the different armories around New York. It was exciting. So found some amazing things, amazing things. Another job he got me, though, was at um, an armory, and they just needed some outside landscape, not landscaping, but outside work, where you could, you know, cut weeds and mow the lawn, all that kind of thing. And I remember that the guys who had been working there, you know, that was their kind of full-time job. They didn't like me at all. I didn't do anything to them. They just didn't like me. And the reason they didn't like me is because my attitude was, I'm not working for the government, I'm working for Jesus Christ. I'm working as unto the Lord. And they would tell me, stop doing, stop what you're doing. He said, they used to say, pace yourself. And I'm not saying that I ran around sweating the whole time, just killing myself all the time. I just worked as hard as I could because I was there to serve the Lord, working as unto the Lord, not unto men. So if I'm working for the government, I'm still working for the Lord. So I'm going to give my, I'm going to give 100% to God. They didn't like that. So they told me to pace myself. They said, you're, don't work so hard. There was a phrase they all used. Don't work hard. You're working for the government. And so they didn't like it that I was working hard because I could get done in a half a day. And I'm telling you, I wasn't killing myself. I could get done in a half a day. What used to take them a day and a half because they figured don't work hard. You're working for the government. Sometimes you don't have to do anything wrong. What you're doing is exposing other people Exposing other people's sin, if you will. And because you live your life for Jesus Christ sometimes, it doesn't make you holier than thou or perfect or anything. But what happens is it frustrates other people because they want you to slow down because it makes them look bad. So these leaders wanted to get, they did a background check, if you will, on Daniel. They did this background check. They followed him around. They were watching him. They were trying to get the dirt on Daniel. So you can imagine all these satraps and, these, and all the prefects and all these different leaders, the administrators. Can you imagine governors? They're all trying to figure out, how can we nail Daniel? And as I was reading this and studying it and going, putting the sermon together, I thought to myself, could I stand up under that kind of scrutiny? In my own life, could I stand up on that kind of scrutiny? If, if they had, if my enemies had access to my public and my personal files, whatever, my computer, all, whatever, whatever I use, my phone, if they had access to that, okay, all the access, if they, if they bugged my house and bugged my car, if they followed me around, would I, be able to, would, would I be able to survive? Would my character survive that investigation? I would hope that I could. I would hope. I, 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 this week, I dropped my computer off at, the, uh, at one of the computer fix-it places, right? So I drop it off, and it was a good feeling to walk away and, and not have to worry about what they're going to find on my computer. They're not going to find anything on my computer. The, that, that we have to ask that question. Could you survive that kind of scrutiny. Daniel did. Isn't that amazing? I mean, these are political. These are political hacks, if you will, coming after him. And he survived that kind of scrutiny. The investigation revealed that Daniel was clean. 
He was clean. There were no glaring moral issues in his life. There were no skeletons in his closet. This was the kind of man that they were dealing with. Try as they might, they found nothing that they could use to, to, to kind of nail Daniel. They found nothing. Daniel was what the Bible calls above reproach. He was a righteous man. He was above reproach. Again, he wasn't perfect. Jesus was the only perfect person ever walked the earth. But Daniel was above reproach. So if they can't catch him doing something wrong, then they're going to, then they're going to make wrong whatever he's doing. They couldn't find him doing anything wrong. So they took what he was doing in his own life and they made that wrong. They make what, if they can't catch you and they make what you're doing wrong. Daniel loved to pray. Daniel would talk about a prayer warrior. Daniel was a prayer warrior. Daniel prayed three times a day for most of his life. Daniel was that prayer warrior. And as, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking to myself, and these guys want to nail him for, for, you know, for living the life that he was living. And I, and I, and I, this is an old question, but if you were, if they wanted to, 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 conv- to try to convict you in a court of law of being a Christian, could they do that? Could they gather enough evidence in my life to convict me of being a Christian? Could they gather enough evidence in your life to convict you in a court of law that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? I accuse you of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now they're going to follow you around. Could they convict you of being a follower of Jesus Christ? In Daniel chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, it says this. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or any human being during the next 30 days, except for you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. So Darius signs the law. Once Darius signs the law, Darius knows he can't break that law. Not even can he can change that. But Darius had no idea that they were trying to trap and destroy Daniel. When they did, they all came in. Oh, King, live forever. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're so amazing. We love you so much that we all got together, sat around with tears coming down our face and said, you know what? Our king, no one should pray to anybody but our king because he's so awesome. We all love him so much. And that's kind of the way they presented it to Darius. Darius said, you're all such good guys. And he signed it knowing it couldn't be changed. Not even by him. When they arrested Daniel for praying, my goodness, they had all the evidence. The, the, the evidence was overwhelming. Okay, so now they now it's against the law to pray. So all they need to do is hang out, right, and follow Daniel around a little bit. And so they, they, they when they set this trap, when they passed the law, when they set the trap, they had him. They had him. It was, it was a done deal. Daniel, listen to this. Daniel was a victim of his own integrity. He was a victim of his own integrity. He was predictably loyal and faithful to his God. 
He was, it was so predictable. They said, well, we're not going to get this guy in anything that any of us would get nailed on. So we got to come up with something else that has to do with this God. So they say, you can't pray. This, he was so predictably faithful to his God. Three times a day he would pray. They, they had him. They had him. So we need to stop here for a second and reflect on this. Just reflect on this. Daniel is not in trouble for his strengths. Okay, he's, he's, not in tro- he, he's, in, he's not in trouble because he did anything wrong. He's in trouble because he did something right. They nailed him for doing something right. It wasn't that they nailed him for his weaknesses. They nailed him for his strengths. So he's strong. He's a strong, godly person, and that's what they get him on. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. He didn't do anything wrong. He did something right. And that's what they get him on. Just be, listen, here's a point. Just because you're doing what's right doesn't mean that you and I will be exempt from trials, challenges, difficulties, hardships in this life. That is very difficult for people to grasp. It takes, I'm going to tell you, it's to underst- understanding and accepting what I just said takes spiritual maturity. And, I'll, and, and the next series, I'll teach you how to, I'll, together, we'll learn how to get there. Okay? That kind of spiritual maturity. Because it is frustrating when you're, you know this as a Christian, when you're doing what's right and, you're, and, and things are not going the way you want them to go. You're doing what's right and things are going wrong. What is, what is up with that? But see, it goes back to chapter 3. But if not, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went before King Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to renounce their, you know, their faith, and, and, and they said, listen, king, we're not going to do what you're asking us to do. Because our God can save us from your hand, O king. But they said, but even if he does not, but if not, we talked about, that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about here. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. That's the kind of strength that we need to have because sometimes you're going to do the right thing and you're going to, and wrong things are going to happen in your life. The question is, will we serve God when he doesn't do what we want him to do when we want him to do it? Are we going to continue to love and serve and worship and trust God when he doesn't do things according to the way we've planned it? You prayed and he's not giving you the answer you want. Are you still going to love him and serve him? You have a dream in your heart, but it's not coming true right now. Are you still going to serve him? Are you still going to trust him? Are you still going to trust him? That, there, there's the foundation of what we're talking about. So now what? Now what? They passed this law that says you can't pray. So what do you do? What are you going to do? Daniel chapter 6. This is amazing. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 tells us and shows us what it means to live an uncompromising life. Here it is, okay? He is now confronted. If you continue to do what, what you've been doing, if you continue to pray, if you continue to pray, you're going to get thrown into the lion's den and ripped to pieces by lions. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 tells us, tells us and shows us what it means to live an uncompromising life. Listen to this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree was, had, been, had been published, he went home 
to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem so everyone could see him, my little phrase. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Don't miss that. Just as he had done before. Daniel was was in the habit of praying three times a day for most of his life. He wasn't about to stop engaging with his God. He wasn't going to stop being in the presence of his God. He wasn't going to stop being and, and, and thanking his God just because some government punks with no character passed some edict or some decree. Daniel wasn't going to do that. Daniel, Daniel stood his ground. Now, I'm sorry, maybe it's just me. This is just Jeff Greer's thought. But if I'm 85 years old, he's about 85 years old at this point, he has been through so much. He's experienced so much. He's been under 85 years of pressure, if you will, from every side. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think, he, he was concerned about these people at all. He's like, do your worst. 85 years old. You know, I love older people. I really do. Because older people with, this, with strong faith, it's like, okay, what? Really? I've lived my whole life. I've stood for Christ my whole life. And now you're threatening to do something to me? Do your worst. Daniel's old. Daniel's probably tired. Daniel's been in captivity for most of his life. Daniel is not going to live forever, and Daniel knows it. Do you really think that he gives a rip what these people have in store for him? Well, obviously, they told him what they have in store. What's the first thing he does? I love this. The first thing he does is he goes into the presence of his God. He does what he has always done. Do you really do you really think Daniel was afraid of dying? Think about that. From chapter 1 to right now we're sitting here we're talking about this right. Do you really think he was afraid to die? He has been through so much in his life and his God has been with him every step of the way. Every step of the way. Could God save him? Daniel knew this. Could God save him from the lions? Yup. Yep, he could. But if not, it's still good. Daniel did not know if God was going to save him from the lions ripping him to pieces. Didn't know that. So could God save him from the lions? Daniel knew from chapter 1, right? And the food, the whole food debacle thing going on. He knew from from that experience that God was with him. In chapter 2, interpreting the dream, not only interpretation of the dream, but telling Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was, what he dreamt. All that, hearing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, they're all in this together. Daniel knew that happened. And then in chapter 4, it's in the other dream. And then you have, you, you have in chapter 5, you have the writing on the... All these things happen. Do you really think Daniel is afraid to die? Do you really think Daniel is afraid of these people? Could God save him? Yes, he could. But if not... He's still good. You know why? Paul said it best in Philippians 1.21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
That's Daniel's attitude. I am living. I am serving God. As long as I have breath, I'm going to serve God. But for me to live, to live, to live my life is Jesus Christ. I live for him and only for him. And to die would be gain because now I get to be in the presence of my God all the time. Three times a day, he bows down and prays to his God. Now he would be able to spend eternity with God. Do you really think that Daniel was a afraid to die. See, here's the deal. In my opinion, I don't think Daniel was afraid of those lions at all. Now, he's human, so a little anxious. The thought of being ripped to pieces by lions and eaten maybe alive, that would give you a little, a little anxiety, okay? Because you wouldn't be human. But he trusted his God. Daniel, by the, you know, the more I read the story, I've, I've gone over Daniel and over Daniel and over Daniel, especially during this series, I've gone over and over and over. And the more I get engrossed in it, the more I realize Daniel fought a battle a long time ago and he won. These lions? That's what I was saying in the beginning. The real battle of chapter 6 happened years before If he was afraid, he would have compromised years ago, a long time ago. So when they tricked Darius into passing this decree, Daniel, okay, did exactly what he had always done. He went into the presence of God. He spent time with God. They threaten him, and what does he do? He goes and he spends time in the presence of his God. Can you imagine the prayers, the conversation that was going on there? This is, this is not in the Bible. This is just my, my thoughts, okay? My own little thoughts. I, just, I was just thinking to myself, what kind of conversation would we have with his father at this point? He's like, Father, they're at it again. What, what is it this time, my son? They're going to throw me in the lion's den. They're going to throw me in the lion's den. If, if, I, if, I, if I don't stop praying to you, they're going to throw me in the lion's den. God is probably making him feel like, hey, don't, listen, when you hit the bottom, just say, here, kitty, kitty. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got this. I got this, right? He spent time in the presence of God, regardless of what was happening. The other leaders were like, yeah, if, if anyone does this or that, we're going to blah, 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 and blah, we're going to do this, we're going to do the other thing. And Daniel's like, okay, okay, thanks for sharing. Did you hear us? Yep, I, I, I heard you. Thanks for sharing. And then when they shared, he went home. He went upstairs, he got down on his knees in front of the open windows, okay, faced Jerusalem and started to pray. That was, and here's the thing, he did that knowing with, in no uncertain terms that they were going to, all of them were going to be standing there outside the window and saying, oh, oh witness, 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 there he is, he did it. Daniel knew full well they were going to say that. They knew, he knew full well they were going to catch him praying to his God. A few thoughts here. Daniel was one of the most powerful people in the entire country with massive responsibility on his shoulders. And he prayed three times a day. And I was thinking to myself, what was our excuse again for not finding time to pray? Right? I'm mean, personally, I'm, I, you know, sometimes, some days I pray more sometimes. And the days I don't pray, I think, oh, you know why I didn't pray a lot today? I was so busy. I was so busy. Daniel was the third most powerful man in the country with massive responsibility, and he prayed three times a day, and probably not for a minute. 
three times a day. Maybe the reason he prayed so often and maybe the reason he spent so much time in prayer is because he was under so much pressure and had so much responsibility and he wanted to make sure he needed that extra help from God. Maybe because we're under so much pressure because we have so many things going on in our lives, instead of spending less time in prayer, we should spend more time in prayer. How do you think this man survived all the intense pressure he was under. How do you think he survived that? How, where did he get the strength to make these decisions? My goodness, from one to six, where, from chapters one to six, where did he come up? Where, where, where did he get the strength to make these decisions? He spent intimate time with his God. Listen, prayer was so important to Daniel that he would rather die He would rather give up his life than give up his time with God. It was so so significant to him that he would rather give up his life than give up his time with God. Finally, another thought. If you stop praying and stop spending time with God and start compromising, think about this. If you start compromising, you will have less trouble with this world. Okay, I'm just telling you, I'm giving you, just hear me out. If you stop praying, if you stop reading your Bible, if you stop, if you stop living for Christ, you will have less problems with this world. You won't have to face lions. Well, that sounded pretty, you won't have to face lions. You won't have to feel like the odd person out at school or at work. You just go, you just, they say, do it, do it. Yeah, right. We'll go out after it. Sure. Where do you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. You won't be the odd man out and invite you to all the parties. You will not be the odd man out. Your friends and family won't make you feel, they will make you feel more accepted. So your family that doesn't accept you right now and makes you feel uncomfortable, doesn't, they will make you feel more accepted. You will be one of the girls. You'll be one of the guys. Right? You'll be, you'll be, you'll be one, you'll, you'll fit back. More people will, listen, more people will like you. You will be politically correct. You will fit in. Listen, if you don't make noise, you won't attract the lion's attention. Just stay in bondage right here. Don't rattle the chains. Don't try to break free. Don't look for the promised land. Just stay where you are and you won't attract the lion's attention. You won't. You won't. And you won't fulfill your purpose in this life. And your life will have no meaning. And you won't grow in character. And you won't conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And you'll teach your kids how to be spiritual cowards. And your life will end in a whimper. Don't make any noise. Compromise. Just, just compromise. See, long before the lions, Daniel made it up in his mind that he was going to serve God no matter what. Lions, dreams, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The food. Daniel was going to serve God no matter what. His decision, okay, when they gave him this decision, his decision wasn't that difficult. Daniel was just going to keep doing what he had always done. So now, when the lions come prowling, what are you going to do? 
What do you do when the lions, when you're, when you're trying to break, you break free, you're going toward the promised land, you're growing your relationship. What do you do when the lions come prowling? You do what you have always done. And whatever happens, happens. See, that's the scary part. Daniel doesn't know if God's going to rescue him or if he's going to be ripped to pieces by these lions. He doesn't know that. So when this happens, you stand your ground. You keep doing what God has called you to do. You keep serving him. You keep living for Jesus Christ. You keep doing what God has created and designed you to do. And again, whatever happens, happens. Darius realizes now that he's been tricked. The king realizes what's going on. He's that he's been tricked and he likes Daniel. And so he immediately tries to do whatever he can, all the things he can do to save Daniel from the lions. And in Daniel chapter six and verse 14, it says, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort effort until sundown to save him. So only a couple questions left. Will Daniel be eaten by the lions? Will Darius save Daniel from the claws, uh, the, the razor sharp claws of the lions? Will the men who did this to Daniel get theirs or will they get away with it? Find out next week on part two of here, kitty, kitty. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you for this time we can spend together. And Father, thank you. Thank you. For those, Lord God, who want your strength, who call on your strength, who want to stand firm. Father, thank you for giving them the strength to do that. Thank you for the example of Daniel. Thank you for the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Lord. Thank you for the example they, they have given us that we can hold on to those things knowing that you're a God who is in control. You're a sovereign God who is in complete control. And God, we know that you can give us the strength to get through the challenge that we face, the temptations that we face. We all have them in different areas of our lives. Satan is pouring constantly into us to to fall, to trip up, to run back to bondage. But Father, through your Holy Spirit that you've given to us, through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we know, we know that we have what it takes to overcome. So, Father, give us the strength. Give us the spiritual maturity that when that time comes and we have to stand and make a decision, whether it's at work or at school, high school or junior high or college, whether it's at home, whether it it doesn't matter, even in the church, Lord God, give us the strength to know that you can carry us through it, that you can save us, you can save us from it, But even if you don't, Lord, even if you do not, but if not, we still will serve you. We will love you. We will follow you. We will trust you because you're our God. And to live, to live is Jesus Christ and to die is gain. We give you our lives. We ask that you would allow us to offer up our bodies, Lord, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you like Daniel did. 
Give us the strength to do that. Give us the strength to say that and to live it out in our lives every day. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.